Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Now we're going into a beautiful, beautiful season, a wonderful season, and uh, we're going we're to celebrate this season the whole, whole month. We're going to celebrate Christ's birth the whole, whole month. I'm not preaching about that necessarily today, but I do want to talk to you from my heart about something that's very important in my life. Uh, you all know that this is a spirit-filled church. You know that. Say amen to that. And we believe in clapping our hands. And we believe in saying amen. And we believe in standing to our feet and uh, saluting the Lord when he passes by and we don't get out of order. We do it. We do it because we're all here together. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to take all your clothes off and run around the house and scream Jesus all day, that's fine with me. But we don't do that here. We we celebrate. We celebrate together, and we 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 don't choreograph it, but we celebrate together, and we understand that we need to watch because my my public worship can't get so bad that it interferes somebody else's public worship, and so we want we want you to understand that. But we are a spirit field church. We believe in the Spirit of God directing this church. And I, I want to preach about that today. I really, really do on this Sunday after Thanksgiving. I was privileged Thursday night to speak to the Longhorn football team and the coaches, and that was an honor for me. And um, I shared with them, I shared with them that to everything there's a season, a time, and purpose under heaven. There's 28 things in Ecclesiastes 3, but the only thing that's not there that has a time or a season or a reason is a time to quit. And there's, there's some people in this house today that I want to minister to. I want to talk to you about this thing called life because life sometimes can bring loneliness. Life can, sometimes can bring aloneness in the holiday seasons. And I want to preach to you today. I, want, I hope I get under it. I hope I get under it to a point where I can really declare the word of the Lord to you today. I want you to stand to your feet. You're an awesome people. And I'm going to read a text that may be foreign to some people that are not spirit-filled people, but I'm going to the book of Acts where the church was founded. Acts chapter 2, Now when the day of Pentecost had come, that's a feast day, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven, filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues spread out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them, say all of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in other languages. That's very important, as the Spirit enabled them. As the Spirit enabled them. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6 in the message version says, You can't force these things. They only come about through my Spirit. They only come about through my Spirit. So today I want to talk to you from my heart a subject that I'll put on the board in just a little while. You may be seated. God bless. Thank you for being such a great audience today. A man at an airport was worried about missing his plane. He had no wristwatch and he couldn't locate a clock. So he heard up to a stranger and he said, excuse me, could you tell me the time, please? And the stranger smiled and said, sure. He set down two large suitcases he was carrying and looked at his wristwatch and he said, it's 6.08. And the temperature is 75 degrees Fahrenheit. The barometric pressure is 30.19 and falling. Rain is predicted. 
In Madrid, the sky is clear. The temperature is 40 degrees Celsius. In Istanbul, the weather is sultry and the moon is full. And the guy said, your watch tells you all that? The man said, oh yeah, and much more. You see, I invented this watch and there's no other timepiece like it in the whole world. And the man that wanted, that wanted time said, I want to buy that watch. I'll give you 2000 for it right now. And the guy that owned the watch said, it's not for sale. And he picked up his suitcases to leave. Wait, he said, 4000 I'll pay you 4000 cash. And he reached for his wallet. And the man said, no, I can't. You see, it has some great sentimental value to me. Okay, listen, said the man. I'll give you $10,000. I got the money right here. And the stranger paused, 10000 Well... Okay, it's yours for $10,000. The man was absolutely beside himself, elated. And he paid the stranger, took the watch, and snapped it on his wrist with glee and said, thanks, and he turned to leave. And the stranger said, wait. With a big smile, he handed the two heavy suitcases to the man and added, don't forget the batteries. <laughs> My wife and I was in Hong Kong one time. And it was back in the day when they had them big old movie cameras look like a newsman had come to town. And I bought one of those things. I was goofy enough to buy one of those things. And then the next one came out was about this big. But this one, you had to put the big battery over your shoulder, and that battery was about this big, and it weighed about 40 pounds. And you put it over your shoulder, and people look at you like you'd lost your mind. They said, what, what news company are you with? And I went out there in the middle of Hong Kong one day, out there to take pictures, of, and my battery ran out 20 minutes. In 20 minutes, my battery was out. So I had to carry that dead battery and that camera the rest of the day without taking pictures. Make sure you get your batteries. It's a silly story, but this is a continual temp temptation that haunts us as the church, isn't it? That we will forget the batteries, that we'll forget the source of power that makes us who we are. That we'll leave behind what is essential to the life of the community of faith. At the Daytona 500 race, which is the Super Bowl of, of uh, NASCAR, several years ago, the race had just started when at the beginning of the third lap, the $500 machine, $100,000 machine driven by professional driver Donnie Allison rolled to a stop on the infield side of the track. When it was checked, it was found out that no one had filled it with gas before the race started. Everybody thought somebody else was going to fill it. That was embarrassing. One of the top drivers in auto racing stalled because he had run out of gas. And that's what many churches are doing today. And that's where many individuals are that are in the house today, trying to operate without batteries and trying to drive on an empty fuel tank. See, since Jesus' ascension, the disciples and the women and the brothers of Jesus and several other people had been devoting themselves to prayer in the upper room. And they had prepared themselves to receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that Christ had promised them. And now it was this day called Pentecost, and they were all together in one place. And suddenly, the Bible said, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It's in your Bible. And it filled the whole house. And they saw tongues of fire that seemed to rest on all of them, and they were all filled. Say it with me. All filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Now, why? Why did that happen? Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem from every nation on earth. And when this sound occurred, they heard this sound, large multitudes came together and they were bewildered because that each one heard the disciples, hear me now, speak in their own language. 
in their own language. And they said, are not these all Galileans? And when they said Galileans, that meant the dumb people, the simple people, the people that nobody really cared about. It's amazing that Jesus did 30 of his miracles in Galilee because those people received the Lord. How is it that we hear each of them in our own language? I'm going to tell you why. Because there's nothing in this world that can speak your language like the Spirit of God. Nothing in this world. There are people, oh, I want to preach today. There are people in this house that have come lonely from Thanksgiving. There are folks here that feel disconnected from society because of situations that happened during this week. There are people that are in family dysfunctionalities. There's folks that need healing. There are folks that need a job. There are people that need help from the Lord. And as a preacher, I can't get to where you are sometime. As singers, they can't get to where you are sometime. But I know a spirit. I know the Holy Spirit. Wherever he operates, he can get to where you are. See, when Jesus, when Jesus was born, folks, shepherds were abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock, and we're going into Christmas, so I'll bring this out, and the Bible said angels appeared to them. Now, Jewish shepherds had this thing about angels. Jews and angels had a thing going, and so when angels spoke and said, behold, this day in the city of David, a Savior is born, which is Christ the Lord, those shepherds left their sheep and went and worshiped Jesus Christ. They found him first because they understood the voice of the angel. But wise men in the east, they saw a star. Angels wouldn't have blessed them. Angels wouldn't have said it, but they saw a star. God spoke a language that the shepherds could understand, and he spoke a language that the wise men could understand. And I'm telling you today that the Holy Spirit that's in this house has a language that everybody can understand. If there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith shall raise them up and the Lord shall forgive them if they've committed any sin. You hear me, if anybody's discouraged, let him say, I am of God. Let him say, God is with me. Let him say that the Lord is my help. If anybody is hurting today, let them say that there is a bomb in Gilead and I will go to that bomb and I will be healed by the power of God. The Holy Spirit can speak any language. Any language. Huh. Hallelujah. Well, I just went crazy, didn't I? Any language. I love that. When I'm down, when I don't know what to do, the Holy Ghost speaks to me. The Holy Spirit is my, it's my paraclete. It's my go beside me. It, it helps me. It lifts me. It guides me. It directs me. And I don't want this church going through the month of December without the presence of God in this service. I don't want us to just limp through the greatest season of the, of the whole year, the celebration of the birth of Christ, without having the paraclete, the Holy Ghost, as our help, as our strength, as our guidance in our life. Would you clap your hands and say amen to that? So... Let me make a point. The source of the church's power is the Spirit of God. Say the Spirit of God is our source of power. If we're going to have the joy, the energy, the enthusiasm of the early church, we're going to have to pray for God's Spirit to fall fresh on us. Anytime we try to substitute any other kind of power for God's power, we're in trouble. It makes no difference if we try to substitute political power. I told you folks before the election, I'm going to say it again. God is not so interested in who is in the palace as he is who the voice of the world is. The church is still the voice of God. Pharaoh had the palace, but Moses had the voice. Nebuchadnezzar had the palace, but Daniel had the voice. Amen. 
And Herod had the palace, but John the Baptist had the voice. And John the Baptist introduced Jesus Christ, not Herod. Herod tried to kill him. Oh, I want to preach right now. It doesn't matter who's in the palace. It doesn't matter if you got excited or you're dismayed about the election. Understand that the church is still the voice of the world in this hour. Somebody help me preach right now. It's not political power that we're looking for. And number two, it's not celebrity power. You can't build a church with celebrity power. There's so many growing churches nowadays as a central part of their ministry bring in celebrities and musicians and movie stars and politicians to share their faith. Nothing wrong with that. We've done it here. We've interviewed them as long as we remember that celebrities are just people. And they sin like the rest of us. (laughs) Might have just come from a sin before they come into church. And their weakness do not disappear because they're in the public spotlight. Are you with me? Any church that builds its faith on the power of personalities, even the personality of a pastor, is barking up the wrong tree and potentially headed for trouble. People have a way of letting us down. I'm telling you, we can't build church on political power and we can't build it on celebrity power. And there's a danger that what we might call need-centered power. That's another problem with that. One of the effective ways of growing churches in today's world is to focus on people's needs and begin groups within the church to meet those needs. And we do that here. We have all kinds. We have 12-step programs. We have Celebrate Recovery. We have small groups. We have all kinds of ministry. We feed the poor. We take care. We, 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 we partner with the Pregnancy Resource Center. We do a lot of things. We help the, de- uh, the, the distress, what's it called, the Austin Distress Relief. We do all of that. We do everything that we can put our hands on. But that is not what is going to grow a church. Amen. All of these are good and they're a vital part of the church ministry. But we're here to meet people's social, emotional, and physical needs. As long as we do not lose sight of our central reason for being, the church is more than just a center for self-help groups. There's a task that we have that's even more important than that. Maybe you heard about a certain hen that won a dozen of awards several years ago. She was really quite amazing. You put a red quilt in front of her, she would lay red eggs. Red, red eggs. You put a green quilt in front of her, she'd lay green eggs. True. You put a blue quilt in front of her, she'd lay blue eggs. But one day someone accidentally put a plaid quilt in front of her, and the poor bird died trying to deliver the goods. <laughs> I think sometime we can get so busy. We're like Martha in the kitchen. We're cumbered about with so many things, we forget what the central need of the church is. Moses stood on a rock one day and he said, Lord, I, I, I want to tell you something. I, don't, I can't go another step. I can't handle these people. We've got all kinds of needs meeting going on with these two and a half million you've sent me, uh, give me to take to the land of promise. But Lord, I can't do it. He said, Lord, just go ahead and kill me. Take me out. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. He said, if your presence is not going to go with us, we can't celebrate this thing any longer. I'm here to declare to you that on this last Sunday of November, this pastor is saying, Lord, send the Holy Spirit among us. We need the Holy Spirit among us. We need more than just committees. We need more than just ministries. We need more than just meeting places. We need more than just small groups. We need the presence of God in this house. Come on, clap your hands real big and celebrate that. We need God's presence in this house. I love that chicken. Nothing in the church can substitute for God's spirit as a basic source of power. See, Zerubbabel came back to rebuild the temple after, the, after, after Israel had been in captivity for 70 years. And they came back, and Nehemiah came back to build the wall. And Zerubbabel started building that thing, and he got messed up. And people started revolting on him, and there's mutiny, and all that stuff happened. And he got all tied up. And, and the Lord spoke to Zechariah and said, go tell him. Go tell him. It's not by your might. 
It's not by your power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, I don't want us just to be just spirit crazy. We need the word and spirit. We need truth and, 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 and spirit. But I believe with all my heart, the thing that's a missing link in a lot of churches is that, that we have hid away the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Father of creation, the Son of redemption, but the Holy Ghost is somewhere hidden in a closet. I want that Holy Ghost to come out of the closet in this church. I want this church to be guided by the Holy Spirit the whole month of December. I want to go into 2017 still celebrating Jesus around here and knowing that God is our refuge and an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Clap your hands and receive that right now. Amen. You know, I've studied the albatross. The albatross is an amazing, amazing bird. It has the longest wingspan of any living bird. It's 12 feet wide. It's also too heavy to fly. It can't support itself in the air. In fact, in still air, when there's no air blowing, it can't even take off. Yet the albatross is a marathon flyer. It really is. Some speculate it can stay years at sea without ever returning to the land. Scientists once put a radio transmitter on one of them to track it, and after 30 days and 9,000 miles, the battery gave out and the albatross was still flying over the ocean. How can a bird too heavy to support itself be a marathon flyer? The answer is, it doesn't flap. It just glides. Stay with me. It's a master at riding the winds. It knows that a slightly higher place, the faster air currents provide greater speed. It knows that when it dives, it's letting gravity give acceleration. And then it catches a thermal off the waves and the cycle begins all over again as he lifts himself up. The albatross not only survives winds of almost any force at sea, but not even can it ever get blown off course. It can ride out storms by reading winds and by circling. Then when a calm returns, it continues on its way. We need to learn something from the albatross. If we can ride the winds of God's Spirit, we can accomplish far more than we could think possible. The first thing we need to learn from Pentecost is that the source of our power is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Come on, say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Bless me and help me in this hour. The second thing that we learn from the day of Pentecost is that where God's Spirit is, there is unity. Say unity. Look at your neighbor and say, unity. Tell your wife, say unity. <laughs> Tell your husband, say you say it first. <laughs> People of differing backgrounds and different social classes and different ethnicities, differing national origins, all heard the gospel in their own tongue. That's why Pentecost was so effective. Those people that were all Galilean that just spoke that Galilean slang were speaking Phoenician and Cretan and speaking all these languages of the world. Seventeen nationalities heard them speaking because God knows how to speak to everybody. The Spirit ministers. And rather than fragmenting into tiny self-serving groups, they were drawn to a cohesive whole because the Spirit never separates. It always unites. Say unite. One day we're going to see how silly we've been. Will you let me preach right now? about all the barriers we've erected between people and between ethnicities in our world. There's a cartoon once which showed two people staring at each other. And one was a little man with a loincloth looking like Mahatma Gandhi. And the other was a stalwart man with a full feather headdress looking like Sitting Bull. 
And both are speaking simultaneously, and the caption reads, funny, but you don't look Indian. <laughs> Pretty funny, isn't it? Silly, but although thought-provoking. How silly are our devices for categorizing people. It's like the Irishman who said he'd rather die than be buried in a Protestant cemetery. My God, man, when you're dead, it don't matter where you're buried. <laughs> That's how we have divided ourselves. What an absurd world we have created. Ted Turner, founder of CNN, said that Christianity, you know, is for the weak-minded. But his cable news network said that he would find any CNN news person who used the word foreign. We're all in this together. And he said, everybody matters. I love this story because Billy Graham is one of my favorite, favorite heroes in the world because of his cleanliness, his purity, and the gospel that he's preached to so many. He preached to more people than I'll ever see in my life. But when he held a historic crusade in Montgomery, Alabama in the 60s, he insisted, he said, we've got to have an integrated choir. And the newspaper editorialized that Graham had come to Alabama and set the church back 100 years. And Graham's answer was classic. I read it. He said, if that's the case, I failed my mission. I intended to set the church back 2,000 years to Jesus Christ. Somebody help me right now. When the waters of God rises, the fences disappear. Come on, we're all God's kids in this house right now. And we're all going to be God's kids when we get home one day. And the Spirit of God is not a divider, it's a uniter. Somebody needs to help this preacher right now. You're my brother, you're my sister. Mm. Had a big old guy in the first service today. He about 350 pounds. I said, you look like a nose tackle. He said, I was. He could crush me. I said, I'm so glad I'm not carrying the ball meeting you. He said, you the pastor? I said, I am. He said, I was here last week. I heard somebody else preach. But he said, I saw you last week too. And he said, you're out here on this porch. What are you doing out here on this porch? I said, greeting people just like you. That's what I'm doing. And so he happened to run into my son-in-law, my son-in-law, Damon, who is a landscaper. And so he, Damon shook his hand because Damon shakes everybody's hand he thinks is a ball player. <laughs> He's not here right now, so I can talk about him. <laughs> this big guy said, that guy on the porch, is he for real? And Damon said, I've been in the family 21 years. That guy's real out there. See, he loves people. I'm not bragging on me. I'm really not. But I'm going to tell you something. You walk in here with a fence in your life, I'm going to tear it down. You walk in here with a bias in your life, I'm going to tear it down. This church is going to look more like heaven on earth than any church in Austin, Texas. Because this church is where the Spirit of God dwells. And where the Spirit of God dwells, there is unity. Hallelujah. Don't forget the batteries. Humorous story came across Associated Press lines sometime back concerning two group of firefighters in a small town in Maryland that came to fight a fire and ended up fighting each other. It seemed that the paid 
the paid firemen and the volunteer firefighters got to the fire at the same time and started arguing over who would be able to carry the hose to the townhouse to put out the fire. Thank God another group of people came because they, they were still fighting and the townhouse was burning down. Eventually, they had to be separated by the county police. Fortunately, the fire was put out before too much damage was done. But I couldn't help but think of some churches that I have been to. Rather than fighting the fires of evil in this world, some are, had rather fight each other. Not so with the church at Pentecost. They prayed together. They ate together. They shared possessions with one another. And the source of the church's power is the Spirit of God. But where the Spirit of God is, there is unity. Say unity. Say unity. I want to say, I'm going to preach one more point that I'm going to let you go because I'm not going to be long today because you're you're trying to get over turkey. (laughs) This is a hard preaching day. Believe it or not, it's a hard preaching day, but I'm having fun in this second service. Where the Spirit is, there's an outreach to others. When you're in a Holy Ghost-filled church, let me just say it, it ought to get on you to a point where it'll get on somebody else when you get out of here. Amen? You shouldn't walk out of here mad, grumbling, stumbling, bumbling, saying, oh, God, oh, God. You ought to leave here saying, "Woo, hallelujah. You ought to be able to take a switch in your hand and whip a bear. Because that's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost is power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me and for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Let me tell you something. There's people that are waiting tables today that are going to wait on you at lunch that need an encouraging word from somebody that's been in a spirit-filled church. There are people you're going to meet next week at work that needs a lifting spirit, and you're going to be that lift for them because you've been in a spirit-filled church. You didn't come to a church and get drugged down and get stomped on and get stepped on. No, you came to a house of God where somebody lifted you and said you can do all things through Christ and the Holy Ghost is your paraclete. It comes along beside you and comforts and blesses and helps and heals you. Oh, I don't feel like quitting. I want to preach till 3 o'clock today. Take that off the tape. They'll think that I'm going to preach till 3 o'clock. I'm reminded. I'm reminded of the story of Ezekiel in, in Ezekiel 37. He, he comes to this valley and it's a, it's, it's a bunch of bones and the Lord said I mean it's an army that's been beaten and whipped and they're all dead and the Lord said can these bones live and, the, and Ezekiel said Lord you know he said prophesy to them so he picks up whatever word he had the Ezekiel word <laughs> and he starts prophesying to those bones and the Bible said there was a noise and a shaking and a coming together Son, this old word can make you noise, have a noise and a shaking and a coming together in your life. I love the word of God. But it still won't do what the spirit will do. The spirit will make you brand new. And the Bible said that there was a noise shaking coming together. And, the, and, and all of a sudden, those bones started to gather together. And I heard a man preach one time and he drove me crazy. He said the toe bone connected to the foot bone, the foot bone to the ankle bone, the ankle bone to the thing. And he went all the way up and I said, oh, he's just trying to show how smart he is. And he's boring me to tears. We know that happened. But those, those bones came together and they clicked and clicked and, and all of a sudden sinews started growing. Then skin came on top. And all of a sudden those, it was a mighty army. But they had one problem. They were still laid out. The word can put flesh on your bones and the word can put sinew there. But the only thing that can lift you up 
is the Holy Spirit. And Ezekiel said, these are all dead. Oh, they're put together, but they're dead. He said, Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind. And Ezekiel started prophesying, oh, wind blow from the north and the south and the east and the west. He said, it don't matter which way it comes from, just blow, wind blow. And all of a sudden, when the wind blew, those, those men and women stood up and became a mighty, mighty army. You hear me, folks, I'm telling you, the thing that's gonna make this church a great church in the month of December is that we're gonna let the Holy Ghost move in this house. It's gonna translate people. It's gonna transition people. It's gonna lift people. It's gonna help people in every walk of life because the Holy Ghost can do what we can't do. It can touch people where we can't touch them. Somebody say glory to that. Richard Letterer is a teacher and a writer who has become nationally known. What time is it? I gotta quit for collecting what he calls anguished English. Anguished English. And letter collects such things as unintentionally funny headlines and signs. And you've seen some of his work here, some typical class, classified ads that, from one of his books. Listen to this, real close. Home, dot, 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 $199,500, dot, dot, dot. Great location, two-thirds of an acre with four bedrooms, two baths, brick, period. Built the way they used to, period. Last two words, won't last. <laughs> now you can take it either way. You got to buy it quick or it's going to fall down because it won't last. Here's another one, for sale, colon, bulldog, period. We'll eat anything. Last two words, loves children. <laughs> and my favorite, extremely independent male. Extremely independent male, period. 17 years old, needs to rent room. Last four words, call his mother at dot, dot, dot. <laughs> People Magazine did a story on this guy. And their photographer asked Letterer to think about setting up a humorous posed picture that would somehow summarize his work and lead, lead into the article. And the solution immediately presented itself. On the outskirts of Leaders Town stood a sign on a telephone pole with a street sign that said Electric Avenue. And sure enough, right below it was a yellow diamond traffic sign announcing no outlet. <laughs> the greatest danger, I close, for the church is that we will experience God's electricity and God's power and God's grace but find no outlet. Somebody has got to tell somebody about Jesus in your life. Would you receive that in the name of the Lord? Randy, come. Randy, come. I went to college my second year down in East Texas. I left home, went to work. I worked my way through school. No big deal. I worked my whole life. Daddy taught me work at the young age of five. I chopped cotton and pulled bows before I went to school. Daddy said it'd be a good thing to learn how to do that before you went to school because you'd go to show and tell and tell what you did. That's daddy's line. And, 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 and I got mad at my dad one day because gnats were driving me crazy when I was chopping cotton. He said, you know why those gnats are driving you crazy? Because they love lazy. He said, if you'll hit that cotton row running, son, he said, those gnats will be so bewildered because you're enthused about chopping cotton, they'll never come close to you. You know what? It worked. I ran through those gnats the next day and went to chopping that cotton. When I see them get close, it's a big old cluster of them. I'd run a few. I didn't care if I missed some weeds. I'd run a few paces down the road and stayed ahead of those gnats.
But I, I was in East Texas, and I was uh, working at a store and going to college, carrying 15, 16 hours. And there was a guy that I worked with that was just, just as cool as the other side of the pillow. He was so cool. I wanted to be his buddy. I mean, he was just cool. And I was a church kid, and I didn't think I was real cool. But he was. He was cool. Girls would come in and flirt with him, and they'd look at me like, who are you? And I, I wanted to be his friend, but I didn't know how. And I thought, boy, he's got everything in the world. He's got everything he could ever want. He's got these girlfriends. He's got a big, nice car. He, he's a great guy. We went to college together, worked together at the same place. And then one day I was walking by him, and the Spirit spoke to me and said, he don't know me. He doesn't know me. And I stopped and I said, hey, buddy. I said, we've been working together and going to school together. I said, do you mind if I tell you about Jesus today? And he looked back at me and he said, I knew you were a Christian. I was wondering when you was going to tell me how to find the Lord. I don't know how. I said, excuse me a minute. I went back in the back room and I went to the bathroom, locked the door and I wept. Because I'd already felt this call to preach in my life and I cried like a pure baby. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't like men that cry. You don't like this church. I cried like a baby and I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me. And I dried my tears and I come back and he said, what's the matter? I said, oh, I was sick. I got sick. Heart sick. I was heart sick. He said, man, where do you go to church? And I told him I went to this particular church. And he said, man, I'd love to come to your church. Within two weeks, he'd given his heart to the Lord and been water baptized. And the Spirit of God came into his life and he was filled to overflowing. A year and a half later, he died. A strange cancer got him and he died. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that he wasn't too cool for me to walk up and say, hey, Jesus is still the answer. When the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God is on a church, everybody needs this Jesus. Everybody needs this Jesus. And I got to talk a little bit at his funeral. I got to share beautiful expression of getting to say, do you know who Jesus is? Listen, the power behind the church is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The unity of this church is by the Holy Spirit. And the witness of this church is by the Holy Spirit. Somebody, somebody needs the presence of God in your life today. So December's coming. It's time to pray. Would you stand to your feet all over the house? I love you very much. I love you very much. We're about out of time here, but I want the prayer partners to come, if they would, right quick. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to let the congregation go in just a minute. Please be patient with me. Just be patient with me just a little while. I want to. I want to open up this altar. I want to open up this altar to people that may, may be lonely, may be hurting, may be dismayed, may be sick, may be tired. 
maybe forlorn, maybe cast down, maybe in pain, maybe suffering. That's what church is about. You hear me? Church is a healing place. It's a chance. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If there's anybody in this house that says, Pastor, you know, I'd like to know that the presence of God is going to be with me this whole month. Would you raise your hand right now all over the house? I'd like to know that. Come on, raise your hand. Get honest with God. Get honest. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Put your hands down. Put your hands down. As many of you as can, I want you to step out, and I want you to flood the front of this church, and we're going to find you. We may not be able to get to all of you at the same time, but we're going to find you. Our prayer partner is going to find you. Come on down here right now. Just come on down. Just come on down and flood this place all over the front. Come on. Come on down to the front. Come on. Come on right now. Come on down to the front right now in the name of the Lord. Come on down. Come on down in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Come on. Here they come. Here they come. I just need something from God. I need a little touch of heaven. I need a little touch of grace. I need a little touch of his spirit. I've been sick. I've been hurting. I feel lonely. I feel afraid. I need some help from God. Would you come? Come on now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Dear Father, I pray right now for this audience, this congregation. I bless this congregation in the name of the Lord. I bless this church in the name of the Lord. I thank you, God, for these people that are praying right now, that are in line. that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.